and welcome to The Worst Best Sellers, where we reread about non-legally binding sex paperwork so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Grey by E.L. James. Joining us to discuss this reheated garbage is Anna from Bellwether Friends. Hello. Again. Yeah, welcome back, Anna. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here again. <laughs> We promise that the next time you come on, you don't have to read a Fifty Shades related thing. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> but what if she writes another one from the housekeeper's perspective? I would read that. Or, I, from, I would or from Roz's perspective. What if Roz and the housekeeper are like tag teamed on that? Or or Mrs. Robinson. Oh, that would be actually interesting. She would probably be pretty snotty, I imagine. Yeah, I'd be into that. Um, just in case you did not listen to, um, our fifth, either of our Fifty Shades episodes, actually, um, we, we have discussed the first book, we've discussed the movie, and now we are back for Grey, which, if you hadn't heard about it, is a retelling of the first Fifty Shades of Grey book, but from Christian's point of view, in the style of how Midnight Sun was Twilight from Edward's point of view. Interestingly enough, we say we talked about the book and we talked about the movie, but what we actually talked about during both of those episodes was more about the policing of women's reading choices and concern trolling on the internet. And we actually didn't talk about the content probably quite as much as we should have. But thank God, large swaths of it are reprinted word for word in this one. My you, God! You know what's funny, actually, is like we've spent so long defending this book that I think <laughs> I, I thought maybe I liked it. Like I'd sort of started to remember it fondly, and then I read Grey and I was like, "Oh, that's right! Oh yeah, I didn't that's right! Like it wasn't actually. Yeah. I don't like this at all. These people are terrible. I just feel like it's okay if women do like it. It doesn't mean that they are going to ruin their life based on a novel, probably." My experience reading this was when they were together, wishing really hard that they would not be together because I knew exactly what was going to happen when they were together. And I was hoping that something else would happen when Christian was not with her. But then when they were not together, that's when the emails, (laughs) the exact same emails. I would estimate 30% of this book's content is identical to Fifty Shades. I, I assume I that she more. cut and pasted and then she like changed the dialogue tags and the perspective and then she added a few scenes and she was like, okay, done. Yeah, I, I feel like for me, not having read the other two books, the most interesting part of the book was the last 50 pages, which is after Anna leaves but before the next book picks up. So it's like 60 pages of Christian dealing with this mystery that I thought was actually interesting. And then like dealing, being a big whiny baby, basically. I was going to say, and being in a lot of pain. (laughs) So much pain. And I read that 60 pages, like it, it was taking me forever to read the rest of it because I'd read it before and it was terrible and it was garbage. And now for the benefit of it being from Christian's point of view instead of Anna's, it was also gross and douchey and disgusting. So yeah, it, it, it took like the few things that I did like about the book and ruined them. Yes. And then added some more things that I also didn't like. 
Yes. That's a good summary, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, what I did like about it, the first one, was that it was sort of Anna exploring her sexuality and, like, you know, obviously Christian's more experienced. Obviously, that can be a sketchy relationship dynamic. And it is. It's sketchy, for sure. But at least, like... She was enjoying it. We knew it was from her point of view. We knew that it wasn't too much for her. But when it's from Christian's point of view, it's disgusting. It's just him being, like, very self-congratulatory. And then also, I I don't like to throw this around lightly, but he seems literally insane. Like, literally not able to connect to humans on any kind of, like, level. Well, he's a monster, Yeah, and he's, you know, he calls himself that, his therapist says, you know, I don't believe that his therapist is a real doctor, by the way. (laughs) I I don't think so. But he is, like, like... No, no, I I, I 100% see where you're coming from. Like, he, just the way that he reacts to the things that she does, reacts to the way that he is, and reacts to the world around him, like... It goes beyond, like, oh, like, I'm in love, so I'm, like, super distracted from my work. Like, he literally turns into an entirely different person. Everyone he works with thinks that there's something wrong because of the way that he's acting. Or or they keep, like, slyly smiling at him, like they're yeah. maybe happy. I, it's weird. But they all, <laughs> like, he blows off meetings and he does, like, sloppy work and he throws out, like, long-term plans with the company and, like, starts doing all these things on a whim. It's very... Buys a publishing company because she's into publishing. Yeah. It's it's very strange and abrupt. And he doesn't... Like, his concern for her over stupid shit goes beyond... Like, oh, like, I'm so worried about my girlfriend when I'm away from her and into, like, he loses sleep because her car is old and what and she didn't text him when she got home and she could be dead. She could be dead and he'll never know because she's not responding to his calls and, like, freaking out over it. And it's the kind of thing, I think we talked about this a little bit when we did Fifty Shades, but this story makes so much more sense. It's so much better when it's set in high school and when edward is a vampire yes like yes because then it's like okay i can see why he's sort of overly protective because he's immortal and he's not used to like these fragile humans and also if she gets a paper cut then jasper's gonna eat her like (laughs) that okay like that's (laughs) but that's not what's happening in this book like they're both humans allegedly and he's 27 Right. He's an adult. He's not a teenager. And then also with Edward, there was that whole conceit of, like, I can read everyone's minds except for Bella. So I'm super curious. Like, I don't know what she's thinking. I don't know. I have to interact with her completely differently than everyone else because she's immune to my mind reading powers for whatever reason. And I I can see that's kind of a weird gimmick or whatever, but it works 100% for, like, what it's supposed to do, which is make Edward, like, extremely interested in... And hearing her thoughts and opinions all the time, like any good boyfriend should. <laughs> and with Christian, it's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, have you ever talked to any other human in your life before? Maybe not. Yeah, having it from his point of view is just strange. It's weird. It makes him come off as very weird. 
And it also really cheapens, like Renata was saying, like a lot of the things that I did like about it, like it turns into him owning her. And, and I know owning and dominating her, like that is that is what his That's deal his is. That's his thing, yeah. But it goes from her being able to explore her sexuality with this guy who worships her into like him basically going down a checklist so that every part of her is his. And the whole time, she's just really Well, and being infuriated it. with the idea after they've broken up of anyone else doing anything with her, but unable to see that, you know, his therapist is like, have you considered having a normal relationship with her? And he's like, what? Is that possible? Yeah. <laughs> it like, didn't even occur to him. I feel like a big thing in Twilight, which was a thing that I actually, another thing that I actually liked about it was that it's not the thing that people get wrong about it is it's not necessarily about her trying out this lifestyle and being forced into trying something out that she's not game for. She's kind of game to do this when she finds out these are the terms that he'll have her on. I feel like the real story of Fifty Shades is him being persuaded into being in a romantic relationship for the first time. I agree. And that was interesting to me, but I feel like a lot of that is lacking from this one because it's from his perspective. And instead of seeing him like really entertaining that thought, it's just like these weird paranoid thoughts about her and these like really oblivious, like, oh, Anna's going to be pregnant one day. Not by me because I'll never ever do that with a woman because no, but you know, someone else, but I'm mad that someone else is going to do it. I thought that E.L. James was pretty coy throughout the book like you know when you pick up the book you think great we're gonna we're gonna learn more about his past we're gonna learn like the dirty details of his crack whore mom's boyfriend burning him or whatever but you know they're just like he keeps almost thinking about that and then pushing it away and then almost thinking about it and then no I can't I can't do that and it's only at the very very end the interesting pages yeah (laughs) right where you like get that in Information. And so I felt like all along it was kind of like ugh, that that kind of stuff where it was driving me crazy. <laughs> and, it, and it was this is also gross. Like there were these sporadic childhood flashbacks, like his memories of abuse, like supposedly written from a child's point of view. But it felt like very I mean, I'm not an expert in child psychology, but it didn't it didn't feel right to me the way it was written. It felt gross. And then also this whole thing that, like, he likes Anna because she reminds him of his mom, and he hates his mom, but he loves his mom, and that's why he wants to hurt Anna, but he loves... It's like, that's not how this works. Yeah. I just actually, a few days ago, um, Dan Savage's love letter of the day the pull quote that he tweeted and I don't always like click through and read it actually I usually don't but this one I did because his pull quote was something like it's tempting to blame your losses for your kinks but it's not accurate and I was like oh yeah E.L. James should read this letter from Dan Savage shoot sidebar I know Dan Savage is often a problematic person but sometimes I think he is on the nail nail on the head whatever the thing that you say is <laughs> and hammer it, yeah he's that and and in this case i think definitely yes and i think that is a conception a lot of people have that like if you're into weird sex it's because like something fucked up happened to you when you were a baby and like maybe but probably well, maybe not. maybe like, that's just what you want and yeah, that's fine <laughs> yeah and then that is not the case in el james land for sure like yeah. 
if you like this, it's only because you were fucked up, and here's why, because of your crack whore mom. And it's, and that, that's one of the parts that, um, you know, was sort of implied in the books from Anna's point of view here. We definitely explicitly have this connection made for it, and that's one of the things that I know offended people about these books, and I get it. Like, that's fucked up. So I have my list of other books that I would rather have read, even if written by E.L. James, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, instead of reading the same book over again, including the same emails, which I just sidebar, if you're listening to the audiobook, you know, they read out every header oh, and every on. date and every signature. <laughs> so it's really quite a slog. I don't re- recommend it. So, option one, how Christian became a submissive and how he broke up with Elena and transitioned to being a dominant. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Er? Which, interesting er? And we have, like, three sentences about that. The story of Christian's last submissive before Anna and how bored and disillusioned he was. Why they ended their relationship. Definitely. Anything. A story yeah. about how later in their marriage, Anna gets paranoid about him really wanting, like, more of that dominant stuff in their sex life. And how he drops the ball and isn't, like, reassuring enough. And so they have to, like, work on that. Mm-hmm. Or a story that is 50% stuff we recognize from the original book. Interspersed with scenes of his childhood and adoption and teenage years and college life. Like, Ooh, yeah, college Christian. Was he like? Right, you know what I mean? Like, we have no idea. We're, we're no closer at the end of this book to knowing anything about him that makes us like it more, at least. Oh, and then finally... Yeah. Anything with The Rock and or Wolverine. Obviously, 1,000% that. Yeah, I'll that's, add, like, that's just wide. I'll add also, um, I was doing some searching. I got hung up on this one detail, which was never resolved for me. Actually, maybe Anna, you know this. Uh, so I was just wondering about his housekeeper, Mrs. Jones, and thinking about how in the third book, she marries Taylor, the bodyguard assistant or whatever, but she's already Mrs. Jones, so, like, who is she married to? Like, has she been having this whole, like, she got divorced over the course of these books because, you know, she had to spend so much time in Christian Grey, so then the only man for her was Taylor, who also had to spend so much time That makes Christian. sense. You know, there's a scene where Christian's like, I need new sheets in the playroom, Mrs. Yeah, Jones, or okay. whatever, and you're like, great. So she has to go in there and be like, let me tidy this up for you. Yeah, like, ooh. Anyway, so I was, like, searching around to see if, if I could find any answers on that. That's I, because that would be way more interesting. Yeah, so it's not spelled out in the books. But someone on the internet has written over 450,000 words of fan fiction. Like, it's one story that is that long. And it, I guess it is these books all from Mrs. Jones' point of view. Excellent. Presumably with more stuff. I don't know. I didn't. I only read like the summary and then like a few paragraphs. And I was like, is there I can't. less sex? I, I hope that she doesn't like watch well, them. I, there must be. It would uh, be. I would like a sweet love story between her and Taylor. That would be fine. Right. It is rated M. So. Oh. I I have to admit that I'm kind of obsessed with um. There's this episode of Community where all of the side characters start essentially heckling the main cast being like, oh, we thought that we were just going to have one day that wasn't about those jerks. Like, remember that time they took a trip? That was amazing. Just for one day, not everything on this school revolved around them. And I want that story for, like, everything. Like, I want the Fifty Shades story where, like, Andrea and Roz 
and all the people who work with Christian are like, what a fucking dick he's being over this girl. Like, what is his problem? Yeah. Do you know what time he had me fly the helicopter out last night? Like, he made me call the college and get her exam schedule. <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe he wants to buy a publishing company. Everyone knows that publishing is dying. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think what we're saying is after we finish recording this, we're all going to go write Fifty Shades fan fiction. That would be awesome. <laughs> In my fan fiction, he'll be a vampire. Amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. So should we, like, try to explain the plot of this? I mean, it really is the same as Fifty Shades of Grey, which yeah. I guess, as we said, we didn't really ever finish describing. I don't know. He... It starts, he gives the interview to Anna, and he is definitely like, this girl is a shitty journalist, but she's real sexy. That You know, they have their meat cute or whatever, but then he just becomes obsessed with her in the craziest way. Uh, and that's when he starts doing the background check on her and finding out where she works, because he has to see her again. It's disgusting. Yeah, I will say that it is way, like, reading... Fifty Shades from Anna's perspective and knowing intellectually like oh he did a background check on her and figured that out like oh this when it's mysterious like that I kind of buy it as like oh it's the trope oh whatever but seeing him actually doing it was kind of sad yeah like not even creepy it was just like weird and sad imagining him like alone in his office calling his pi to look up some college girl's schedule so he could send her flowers to the right place like it just got weird and sad <laughs> well at the end but the best part was at the end where he was like he's trying to find his missing former submissive and like none of his detectives or anything is working so i appreciated that <laughs> <laughs> the failure of his team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, I, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess we did hit, like, the major points during Fifty Shades. He is obsessed with her. He explains to her that, you know, he has these unconventional desires. He makes her sign an NDA before he tells her about them. We have to go through the contract in excruciating detail. Yep. One of the things that I did think was interesting, I have a lot of theories about why E.L. James wrote this book, but there's definitely a couple of places in here where it's very clearly a fuck you to the movie. Um, when they're going over the contract, he has this whole bit of inner monologue where he talks about how like, oh, you know, maybe if it involved this much paperwork, he should have done it at his office. No, he would never do that. He would never have a meeting like this at his office. Like, no, that would be terrible. That's a <laughs> oh, terrible yeah, idea. And in the movie, they do do it in the office. And I did like that change. I liked that scene. But E.L. James scene. very clearly did not. Right. So... I asked you earlier, but do you think she's going to write additional ones or was this her like, fine, I'm going to write this? Well, um, let's, the dedication to this book is like for the fans who asked and asked and asked, <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Like, it seemed to me like she is annoyed. Like, I feel like she is donezo with this. Is she as reluctant to make money? I mean, you what, say does that. she really need more? But at the same time, like, she was so, like, now she's writing the scripts for the other two. Like, she's really invested. Right? And I, like, went on, I was Googling her for something, and I went on her, like, Twitter feed, 
And all she does is retweet Fifty Shades things. Mm. Like, not even, like, people, like, you know, J.K. Rowling will, like, answer questions and she'll do it publicly so you could see, like, no, like, she's just finding random Fifty Shades stuff and tweeting it. Maybe she'll find our podcast. (laughs) (sighs) I have to go to her Twitter feed and see what she's been tweeting. She says she's a fangirl and an incurable romantic is her bio. Um, but yeah, so they do the sex paperwork again. She's very hesitant. She doesn't want to sign anything. He finds out she's a virgin. He immediately takes her virginity. It, loves it. Oh my god. It's the same stuff, but grosser. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to... Th- yeah, there's a little bit more. We see a, We see some scenes of him being a CEO that I swear to God are just... In my mind, they immediately turned into the scene from the Lego movie where Unikitty <laughs> just says, business, business, business. And <laughs> it's just that um, with his assistants. And then we see stuff like he t- he intentionally tells his assistants different things about how he likes his coffee because he likes to keep them on their toes. Like, you are a monster, Christian Grey. What the hell? Yeah, he uh, just s- is constantly dismissive. People find him attractive. And he's just, like, dismissive of them almost purely because they find him attractive. Like, sometimes they're also incompetent, but sometimes, like, someone will smile at him flirtatiously and he decides immediately that they're garbage. He'll be like, like, it's just just a face, sweetheart, on his internal monologue. (laughs) Right. I'm looking through our notes. Oh, he keeps... Whenever he's, like, hesitant about doing something with Anna, which is, like, all the time, he tells himself to seize the day, which I was mad about because it completely is ruining Newsies for me. Fuck you. (laughs) He said seize the day so many times, and every time I thought of the song, and then I got mad about it. Plus, he does everything hard. So hard. Oh, my God. And the other thing that we get a lot of is uh, his cock will respond to things. Well, that's a normal romance novel, straight romance novel thing. I feel like it happens so... I don't know. There's a link to this on Gawker. There's a, just a list of every time his cock does something. <laughs> and it's just like, my cock agrees. My cock tightens. My cock, like, what up? Like, so much. His cock His cock is like the equivalent of Anna's inner goddess. I agree. Yeah. So does Christian's cock. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like the... Same stuff, scene for scene. Then the extra stuff we get is, well, I'll get to the end in a minute. The end is different. And I did, I was intrigued by that. But it's either 50% like him running a business in like a really boring, dry, like the deal for Darfur is going through. Let's talk about why. Here are some options of how we can change it. Like, get back to me on those options. Here's the specific shipping companies I'd like to, like, no, I don't care. Right, and, and that, it's, like, the work, like, this humanitarian food that, aid that he's doing, it seems like it could be interesting. It could make him seem more, like, l- likable, but it actually, it makes, he is very self-aggrandizing about it, it seems like, like, and then also we don't really understand, like, we know that he's doing something with food for Darfur, but we never really have an emotional response to it. Like, we never have him thinking, like, oh, my God, like, we have to get this here soon because people are dying. We have him just be like... Oh, it's so unprofessional that the cargo was delayed, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, and he, close. like, at one point even says, we can't pull out because I promised Charity that I would do it, and I'll look bad if we go back. 
and I have to take my word back to the board of directors. It would make so much sense if she more sense if she had explicitly made the connection that was like I was starving and so now I like to do things for people or I grew up in Detroit and that's why I hate Detroit and I don't really want to base part of my business there but it seems like I might have to. <laughs> Right, and we have all these pieces, and you can put it together. But since it's all from his point of view, like, why not just say it? Why not just have him say it? Or have him, like, go, like, go call Dr. Flynn. I know Dr. Flynn's on vacation, but call Dr. Flynn and have a conversation where, like, he doesn't have to say it in his monologue. He could, like, have someone else draw it out of him. It's There are ways to fix that. (laughs) Or even if it was uh, Mrs. Robinson. I feel like some of this could have, she could have said it to him. What do you make of her, like he had dinner with her when Anna was in Georgia, like fleeing to to think about whether she should have a relationship with him. And what do you make of Mrs. Robinson being like, yeah, go, go after her. Go get what you want. I know, right? Like, was she trying to sabotage him? Because that is a crazy thing to do. Or does she not really know how human beings work either? I'm not sure because the other thing too, like the things that I was thinking about is we do know in Fifty Shades, he does tell Anna, like, I'm here because she told me to come here. And Anna does like it. Like she is happy that he's there. Yeah. And we did see her. Yeah. I think I had a more charitable interpretation of honestly from Fifty Shades because we don't have his point of view exactly. We just know that he is a weirdo not quite as weird as he seems in gray. And we know that she said, I wish you were here. So I think we did talk about this, how we just assumed that we were like, well, maybe he just interpreted it very literally. Yeah. But here it's like, no, not exactly. No, not exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was glad that he didn't go so far as to like find out what hotel Anna was going to be having drinks in and like show up there. It just happened to be his hotel. <laughs> Yeah, but then even there, there's weird shit because, you know, we see it in the other books, too. He texts her or whatever and says, how many Cosmopolitans are you going to drink? Right, right. Because he sees her. And then he's like, oh, she seems she seems afraid that I'm judging her for how much um, she's drinking. I don't know why she would think that. And it's like, because you have fucking judged her for her drinking like 20 times already. Why, Why would you not? Why would she not think that you were judging her? judgmental asshole it's really i'm looking at my notes and we were talking before about him being crazy like i know there's always that thing that people say like oh teenagers are all sociopaths until their brains start developing and that's what i have written down is that everything he does makes him seem like he's like 16 years old i think that that's accurate i mean that that's the twilight dna yeah (laughs) yeah Like, everything he does makes him seem like he is a teenager who, yeah, doesn't know how people work, doesn't have experience with other humans because he's a kid and hasn't gotten that experience yet. But he's not supposed to be that. He's supposed to be a 27-year-old gazillionaire who networks all the time and has all of these, goes to these functions and has business meetings and knows how to be a person. So having him act maybe in that twilight DNA of acting like a teenager is just so strange. It is strange, but maybe his psychological maturity or whatever was frozen in time. (laughs) (laughs) 
when he's statutory raped for the first time. I don't know. Yeah. Um, the other thing, I actually, I don't usually do this for the books that we read for this. Usually, um, it's either self-evident or, like, whatever, like, what the appeal of these at least is supposed to be. But I, I went through to Goodreads and read a bunch of reviews of this because I just wanted to see, you know, did the did the people who liked original Fifty Shades like this? This is a good question. It looks like no. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's a lot of reviews. I didn't read all of them. A lot of the reviews that are there are actually people who didn't read it and are just like, it's ruining literature, man. And I was like, okay, but like, then, we already know about you guys. Yeah. You can go away now. But then a lot of the reviews of people who are like, oh, I love the first books, but this, um, what what I read over and over again was this makes Christian seem like a girl. This makes Christian seem like a pussy. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like, kind of harsh, but kind of true to be like, he definitely does not seem like a person that you'd want to date for sure. Let me actually, you guys keep talking. Let me pull up some of those reviews. Oh, God. So, yeah, like, I, I feel like that that becomes, there's even a part where, so the scene where he takes Anna home to meet his family, to have dinner with his family for the first time, all throughout the scene, he's, like, whining. Like, oh, in, in his inner monologue about how, oh, his mother hugged Anna and his sister hugged Anna and everyone's asking Anna questions and including her in the conversation. And his brother threw his arm over Anna's shoulder and, like, being weird and possessive and petulant over the fact that his family likes the girl that he brought home for dinner. God it's damn it. exactly like a teenager being yes. like, oh, mom, like, I can't believe you would bring in snacks, like, when I have my friend over. It's so embarrassing. I'm reading right now um, Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda. Oh, yeah. And there are all of these scenes where both Simon and his sister, like, do that thing. His sister won't tell their parents that she's dating someone because they're going to get all weird about it. And I remember my brother doing the same thing when he was 16, that I accidentally found out who he was dating on Facebook and mentioned to my parents he had a girlfriend and they lost it because he purposely hadn't told them because it was going to be weird and they were going to, like, ask questions. And I don't know. I just didn't want anyone to know. But Christian, once again, is a 27-year-old CEO of a bazillion-dollar corporation. He's not a 16-year-old. It's it's weird. All right. Did you find a terrible review? It's hard to scroll through because there's so many gifts. Ugh. Good reads. Okay, here we go. This is just so boring. Um... I must say Flo was right. I don't know who that is. I must say Flo was right about Christian being a big pussy, all caps lock. So furthermore, I have lots of books to read and review, and I don't want to waste my time on one that I know how I felt about it. That's the end of that review. Wait, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. I guess normally this person maybe writes longer reviews. Okay. Christian Grey was my first book boyfriend. Now, talking about Grey, I'm sad to say I'm a little disappointed. Being inside Christian Grey's mind was confusing. I'm not going to lie, I didn't recognize him at all. His inner monologue or some of his reactions made me think, is this the same guy I read four years ago? Mm. Yeah. However, I still love these books. When I started reading this book, I was prepared to hate it. I mean, yes, I loved the series when I was a teenager, but views changed and all that. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I feel old. Uh, I was 14 when I read Fifty Shades. Yeah, yeah, I know this is an adult book, but tell a teenager it's not for them, and what do they do? 
To be honest, I had to Google a lot of things then. <sighs> Tongue face out emoji. Oh, boy. But they did not even finish reading this one because Christian Grey was so annoying. So now that they're, what, 18, they are, they've matured beyond Christian Grey. Which makes sense because he genuinely does seem like a teenager. A weird, weird teenager. I never used to mind people using GIFs as reviews, but that's all that this is. It's only GIFs. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need to know, really. Yeah, there. Are, I mean, if you do want to see some good GIF reactions, I go to Goodreads and read reviews for this book. Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm glad that the majority of the public also seems to have come away with that at least. Yeah, I mean, there there are also some good reviews. Some people liked it, I guess. But. And I feel like it's weird. I feel like we spent so much time defending the other two because people were so concerned trolly about it. And I haven't really seen that with this one. And I don't know if it's because it's from Christian's point of view. I don't know if it's because it's just so absurd that there are other things to make fun of or if everyone's over it. But I have seen much less like creepy concern trolling. I think it's the last I... one. I think everyone's just over it. Yeah. Mostly when I've seen people talking about this, about this, they've just been like, no, it's garbage. Like not, oh, it's going to ruin women, but it's just trash. Which it is, you know, and, yes. and we saw that before. Like, it's not like this is a good book. Yeah. I would say it is inessential. <laughs> like, if you, if is that you... your professional opinion? Yeah. As a professional if you, reviewer. <laughs> if you wanted to encounter the story for the first time you wouldn't start here and so if you've read the first book you wouldn't then go on to read this book unless you really wanted to know (laughs) but I think most people having read it I think the first like wave of popularity is probably over and everyone buying it I don't think it's going to have the same like staying power as the original trilogy for better or worse I, the one thing about it, so we, we did kind of skimp on the plot, but whatever, you know what the story is. Look it up on Wikipedia, like Christian would say. <laughs> <laughs> the one um, kind of interesting thing that I did, I, I won't say I liked, the one part that actually got me intrigued and had me turning the pages is towards the end, um, in Fifty Shades, Christian very abruptly leaves Georgia because of a business matter, he claims, and is gone. Or Anna assumes it's a business matter. And in this book, we find out that it's not that at all. It's actually one of his former subs who he had assumed from email exchanges they had had was happily married to someone else, um, had broken into his house and tried to kill herself in front of his housekeeper. And so he's like very freaked out and he goes back to Seattle and he like goes to the hospital and he's trying to figure out what happened. And the last like 60 pages interspersed with their breakup starts to become about this mystery. And then he breaks up with Anna and he's got this on his plate and then like he mopes for 50 pages. And I did think that that, that the new material... While I won't say that I liked the new material, I did find it intriguing and much more readable than a straight rehashing of everything I already knew. And I, I was pulled into the mystery, which I assume is, is um, you know, wrapped up in the other two books that I haven't read. Correct. But yep. that I was like, oh, like, what is this? This is intriguing. I am curious about this. This seems very bizarre. 
And that was interesting. So um, at one of my book club meetings a few months ago, uh, we didn't read Fifty Shades as one of our book club books, but we did all go see the movie together as like a book club outing. And then um, one member of our book club, we were talking about, and a few of us had read the first book, but only one of us had read all of them. And so we were talking, and she was like, you know, I would actually recommend reading the other two because, like, shit goes off the rails, Anna gets kidnapped, stuff happens. And uh, my friend Aaron and I, hello, Aaron, we were both like, yeah, we should read that. That sounds like things happen in it. And so we both, without talking to each other, went off and read the second book, and then we were out for drinks or something. And I was like, you know... I just read the second Fifty Shades book, and I'm pretty mad because I thought that things happened in it. And she's like, no, same. I thought she was going to get kidnapped. And it's like, it's nothing happens. Like, there is sort of this thing with the the, the sub who uh, attacked Christian or whatever, but it's, it's just like, oh, something might happen, something might happen, nothing happens. And then the third one, slightly more something happens, but not really. But it is more of that, more of his past relationship and this girl. I think we do get a little bit more new information, you know, because the other ones are from Anna's point of view. So we don't see this first meeting that he has with her, but we hear about it later from him telling her about it. Yeah, I somebody asked me on Twitter when I had said that I was reading it for the podcast. They were like, how I don't understand how they can rewrite the first book and have things still happen. And I was like, nothing. (laughs) Nothing happens. No, nothing happens in the first book, period, really. And then in the second book, like, it's literally so far, because at that point, I think it was like halfway through. And I was like, all of the sex paperwork is in here again verbatim. All of the emails are in here again verbatim. Like, she is just regurgitating the book and switching the POV. And that's not interesting to me. Um, there's this concept in fan fiction. I mean, it's a concept in, in many things, uh, remixing. Uh, and in fan fiction, the idea is that you take someone else's story and you change different parts of it um, to make it like you write the story how you would have written it if you sat down to write it. And the only real two things that you have to keep in mind is you have to keep the pairings the same like the relationships have to stay the same and you have to keep the plot quote unquote up to your interpretation what that means the same and my approach to these things (laughs) is to basically say like this is a story where these two characters meet in a coffee shop after a weird misunderstanding I'm going to do the same thing, except I'm going to make it 20,000 words long and I'm going to make it about the socio-political underpinnings of the world and put in a lot of backstory about their families but they they still are in a coffee shop and they still meet because of this misunderstanding so it's okay like i take that so literally and completely redo it and this book is like what a lot of people tend to do which i don't necessarily like which is they'll just literally change the point of view character they'll write the same story with the same dialogue And just change what character's point of view it's from, and that's it. Like, it it covers the same length of time, and the same things happen, but you just get the other person's perspective. It's so lazy and boring. Yeah, like, sometimes it can be done well, but overall, I feel like I've read this story. 
Like, I, I want to get something out of it, something new and exciting. And I did not get anything new and exciting except for that last 60 pages. Even his flashbacks. He has these dream flashbacks to his childhood, but they're all vague and short and don't really give you any new information that you couldn't infer from the first book. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, and on that <laughs> note, I guess let's maybe move into our dramatic reading so you can hear exactly what information you're not getting from this book <laughs> so we will start off with um the scene of christian taking anna's virginity which does happen in in the original book here we get some extra fun thoughts that he has about it i will play the role of christian and kate will play the role of anna and you will listen to it <laughs> I position myself so I can take her at my whim. Her eyes are open wide, imploring me. She really wants this, as much as I do. Should I be gentle and prolong the agony, or do I go for it? I go for it. I need to possess her. I'm going to fuck you now, Miss Steele. Hard. One thrust and I'm inside her. F-U-C-K. She's so fucking tight. She cries out. Shit, I've hurt her. I want to move, to lose myself in her, and it takes all my restraint to set, to stop. You're so tight. You're okay? I ask, my voice a hoarse, anxious whisper, and she nods, eyes wider. She is like heaven on earth, so tight around me, and even though her hands are on my forearms, I don't care. The darkness is slumbering, perhaps because I've wanted her for so long. I've never felt this desire, this hunger before. It's a new feeling, new and shiny. I want so much from her, her trust, her obedience, her submission. I want her to be mine, but right now, I'm hers. I'm going to move, baby. My voice is strained as I ease back slowly. It's such an extraordinary, exquisite feeling, her body cradling my cock. I push into her again and claim her, knowing no one has before. She whimpers. I stop. More? Yes. She breathes after a moment. This time I thrust into her more deeply. Again, I plead as sweat beads on my body. Yes. Her trust in me... <laughs> It's suddenly overwhelming, and I start to move, really move. I want her to come. I will not stop until she comes. I want to own this woman, body and soul. Ugh. On the plus side, I didn't have to read about blowjobs this time. So <laughs> Can, well, I this is good. like this book better all of a sudden. <laughs> Well, there, yeah, there, there was that part, but we're not, we're not doing it. Yeah, if you want to hear about Anna giving Christian a blowjob, listen to our previous Fifty Shades episode. If you want to read my very gay, disinterested reading of <laughs> Anna giving Christian a blowjob, <laughs> there was the part where he talks about how the darkness is slumbering, like the oh, yeah. darkness is a thing that awakes in him if he's touched. Yeah. The darkness. I guess that's like his sub... Or maybe that's his inner goddess and his cock is his subconscious. 
He's he's got some little characters in his head, just like how Anna had her subconscious and her inner goddess. Yeah. All right, so that happened, and next up, um, Anna is gonna give you some of Christian Christian's jogging monologue. One thing this book does that we didn't mention that happens also a lot in fan fiction is she really wants to tell you what specific songs Christian likes, um, just so that you can tell that he's cool. And he's also always educating Anna about the music that he listens to. Yeah, she doesn't know music. She doesn't know anything. (laughs) You know women. They don't care about stuff like that. Anna only listens to Taylor Swift, probably. So this is after they've broken up and he is jogging after waking up from his nightmares slash stalking. (laughs) All right, so. Prokofiev's arrival of the Montagues and Capulets blares in my ears as I pound the sidewalk through the early morning quiet of 4th Avenue. I ache everywhere. My lungs are bursting. My head is throbbing and the yawning, dull ache of loss eats away at my insides. I cannot run from this pain, though I'm trying. I stop to change the music and drag precious air into my lungs. I want something violent. Pump it by the Black Eyed Peas, yeah! (laughs) I pick up the pace. I find myself running down Vine Street, and I know it's insane, but I hope to see her. As I near her street, my heart races still harder and my anxiety escalates. I'm not desperate to see her. I just want to check that she's okay. No, that's not true. I want to see her. Finally, on her street, I pace past her apartment building. All is quiet. An old mobile trundles up the road. Two dog walkers are out. But there's no sign of life from inside her apartment. Crossing the street, I pause on the sidewalk opposite, then duck into the doorway of an apartment building to catch my breath. The curtains of one room are closed, the others open. Perhaps that's her room. Maybe she's still asleep. If she's there at all. A nightmare scenario forms in my mind. She went out last night. Got drunk. Met someone. No. Bile rises in my throat. The thought of her body in someone else's hands. Some asshole basking in the warmth of her smile. Making her giggle. Making her laugh. Making her come. It takes all my self-control not to go barging through the front door of her apartment to check that she's there and on her own. You brought this on yourself, Gray. Forget her. She's not for you. I tug my Seahawks cap low over my face and sprint on down Western Avenue. My jealousy is raw and angry. It fills the gaping hole. I hate it. It stirs something deep in my psyche that I really don't want to examine. I run harder away from that memory, away from the pain, away from Anastasia's seal. It's dusk over Seattle. I stand up and stretch. I've been at my desk in my study all day, and it's been productive. Roz has worked hard, too. She's prepared and sent me a first draft business plan and letter of intent for SIP. At least I'll be able to keep an eye on Anna. The thought is painful and appealing in equal measure. Cry about it on your blog, Christian. Oh, my God. Can you imagine Christian Gray's, like... First of all, Christian Gray is too sophisticated for Twitter. He's totally like, oh, Twitter, like, people don't need to know what I ate for breakfast. Meh. But he has a blog that's just, like, the most... Is he on over- LiveJournal? Oh, yeah, he has all these locked posts where he... <laughs> I just remembered one detail that we 100% need to share, and I think it probably would be in his live journal. But So we've talked before about Christian's sex genes, and <laughs> in this book, he reveals that Christian doesn't think of them as his sex genes. He thinks of them as his DJs, a.k.a. Dom jeans. I am not <laughs> Which, making that up. That is really in the book. 
I want an SNL Dom Jeans commercial. Oh my god, yeah. Mom Jeans and Dom Jeans available at Target. Oh my god. Oh, this was a book we read. Yeah. All right. The last dramatic reading is um near towards the end of the book. It's a flashback dream that Christian has and he has these kind of peppered throughout the text. And this one is um, the first time that he met the woman who becomes his adopted mother, Grace, after his real mother dies. So I'm going to read Child Christian's narrative, and Anna will be Christian's new mommy. The doctor holds up her hands. I'm not going to hurt you. I need to check your tummy. Here. She gives me a cold, round, sucky thing, and she lets me play with it. You put it on your tummy, and I won't touch you, and I can hear your tummy. The doctor is good. The doctor is mommy. My new mommy is pretty. She's like an angel. A doctor angel. She strokes my hair. I like it when she strokes my hair. She lets me eat ice cream and cake. She doesn't shout when she finds the bread and apples hidden in my shoes, or under my bed, or under my pillow. Darling, the food is in the kitchen. Just find me or Daddy when you're hungry. Point with your finger. Can you do that? There's another boy. Leliot. He is mean, so I punch him. But my new mommy doesn't like the fighting. There is a piano. I like the noise. I stand at the piano and press the white and the black. The noises from the black is the noise from the black is strange. Miss Kathy sits at the piano with me. She teaches the black and white notes. She has long brown hair and she looks like someone I know. She smells of flowers and apple pie baking. She smells of good. She makes the piano sound pretty. She is kind to me. She smiles and I play. She smiles and I am happy. She smiles and she's Anna. Beautiful Anna, sitting with me as I play a fugue, a prelude, an adagio, a sonata. She sighs, resting her head on my shoulder, and she smiles. I love listening to you play, Christian. I love you, Christian. Anna, stay with me. You're mine. I love you, too. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's weird, too, because, like, and now I can't remember if we were talking about this before or if we talked about it before we started recording, but it's very, the style that these child flashbacks are written in is a style that I remember, um, like, a lot of people who say those sort of, like, oh, anyone can write a picture book. Writing picture books is easy. Anyone can write a kid's book. Like, this is the way that they write those kid's books, like weird and condescending and not sounding like any child actually sounds like not reflective of what any child would actually be feeling or saying or doing. Correct. Which actually is fitting because adult Christian doesn't think or act the way any normal adult acts. So maybe <laughs> this is actually what he was like as a child. <laughs> right. Cause he wasn't speaking at this point either when he was a child. Right, yeah. he was so traumatized he didn't start talking until he was like seven. Yes, he his first word is his sister's name, we find out. Yeah, Mia. 
Uh, one other thing that I found out only after we recorded our two previous podcasts was uh, that Mia in the movies is played by Rita Ora, and I was mad that no one told me about that. <laughs> I'm very interested in the crossover between shitty books and European pop stars. Thank you. <laughs> Let me know if Kylie Minogue is in the next movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's leave this behind us and move on to Would You Rather. Would you rather be Christian submissive or Elena's submissive? Uh, Elena's. Done. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Elena's. Okay, I, we don't know that much about Elena, but she- Great. Right. <laughs> I'm just gonna go into my thought process for a moment. Because, <laughs> uh, like, Christian is garbage, obviously. Um, I am more attracted to men than women, but Elena does hook up with 15-year-olds, which is sketch. This and is it, it also seems like she is more violent than Christian, maybe. Or maybe at least we only see Christian with Anna, but he talks a lot about being, like, caned by Elena and all that. And, like, I don't really want, I don't really want that. Um, but Christian, genu- especially now that we have his point of view, it genuinely seems like he might murder Anna if <laughs> things don't go how he wants them to go. So I guess I will also say Elena, but I do have a little bit of a reservation about that. I guess, yeah, the devil you know does make a certain amount of sense. Plus, he's shown some um, willingness to be persuaded out of his (laughs) dominant lifestyle. Right. All right. Would you rather have regular conversations with your inner goddess or your dick? I know none of us actually have dicks, but just, you know. In this universe, you would. I mean, to be honest, I so I don't have a dick, and I think it's weird that he talks to his dick so much, but I talk to everything all the time, including, like, my tummy and my breasts and my computer and my pens and my... So if I had a dick, I'm pretty sure that I would talk to it. Okay. I'm so gonna go... Yeah. I'm gonna go with that, I think. I'm gonna go with Inner Goddess... Um, because she, she would probably be, well, the inner goddess is the one that was encouraging her to like, just go for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was the subconscious who had frowned disapprovingly over her glasses. So yeah, I think it would be good for me to like actualize that process a little more. (laughs) Yeah. I think I would take an inner goddess as well. She seemed kind of fun. I guess also, I mean, if I had a dick, it probably wouldn't be as gross as Christian Grey's dick, but it's hard for me not to think of it. (laughs) (laughs) all right last up probably the toughest one on the table would you rather be christian gray's housekeeper or his therapist because like okay if you're his housekeeper (laughs) you got to be there all the time you got to like clean the sex dungeon but it's like he probably would pay pretty well um like we learned that he's paying for taylor's kid to go to private school you could probably get some really good perks um, and with this therapist, like, you only have to see him, you know, an hour a week or whatever. Although it does seem like he's on call, like, all the time. But Yeah, you... but he probably pays pretty well. Also, yeah. yeah. But then I feel like if you're the therapist, you have to talk to him so much more about, like, gross things. And with the therapist, it's probably pretty minimal the amount that you actually have to interact with him. I'm going to go with therapist. I think... I think there's good, there's good, I could see it going either way, 
personally, I'm going to go with therapist because A, it's a shorter amount of time to see him. B, you set your rates, I imagine. Like, I imagine I'm the one saying, like, it's $500 an hour. And if he's getting too gross, I can be like, mm, this session's $600 an hour. Um, apparently, you get to take long vacations without him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'll, I, 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 Christian doesn't really seem like the type who takes, like, it, the way he describes his therapy, it sounds like he just kind of unloads and his therapist doesn't do very much. So I imagine I could actually play two dots on my phone the whole time and just go like, mm-hmm, yeah, it sounds like this has to do with your abuse. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? And uh, just let him go. That probably actually is what Dr. Flynn is doing, and that's why uh, Christian has not made very much progress. Yeah. So that, that's me, therapist, yeah. Those are all very persuasive points. The only reason I could think to be the housekeeper would be, like, if you were, like, some kind of voyeur, and because it might be an interesting, you know, if she was writing a tell-all memoir, for example, she oh. could... I'm she sure she signed gather. an NDA, bro. She can <laughs> So I have to go therapist. <laughs> because of, uh, yeah, you could also play mind games with Christian if you really wanted to. You could. I think I think another perk to being the housekeeper is, like, um, I used to live in San Francisco, and I would babysit for some, like, pretty rich families. And they'd be, like, you know, babysitter rule of, like, oh, yeah, you can eat whatever's in the fridge. And they would always have, like, sweet-ass food. And I feel like... <laughs> I feel like if you live in Christian Gray's house, you probably have, like, the same deal of just, like, oh, okay, you're at work, I'm gonna eat your, like, fancy whatever. She has to make the food, though. Yeah, but then you can make, like, whatever and then eat it later. that's true. Um, so I think, I think I'll go housekeeper. I also think I'm probably better suited toward that job than being, like, if you're, well, actually, maybe if Christian Gray's your client, maybe he pays you enough that you don't actually have to have any other clients. That's yeah, and you can just take yeah. vacations all the time. Be like, yep. you call me if you need something. But assuming that you have to keep a normal schedule, like, then you have to talk to, like, other people all the time. If you get a housekeeper, you can probably just, like, listen to podcasts all day, except for, like, <laughs> you know, when Christian's actually there. So, Are you talking yourself around? <laughs> I, I think I started, I think I've consistently been thinking that I would choose housekeeper. I think I will choose housekeeper. I've chosen housekeeper. All right, Mrs. All right. Jones is a is a is a worthy protagonist. Yeah. So after she gets married to Taylor and goes off to have her own book, although at that point, then you'd have to be the nanny, also probably. I don't know. I think that they would probably hire oh, a separate nanny. A separate nanny. Um, plus, if you're the housekeeper, you do get four hundred and fifty thousand words of fan fiction written about you. So, which I've always wanted. Yeah. So I know if you're listening, feel free to write fan fiction about me. <laughs> send it actually you know, I feel like I said that and someone is immediately going to send me something upsetting so there mm-hmm. used to be a guy on Twitter who used to like jokingly say all the time about me and my roommate that he was like writing fanfic about us and that he was like he was really creepy Wait, that anyway <laughs> no you're you're the that. good kind of creepy okay. you're not like a weird straight white male kind of creepy oh uh, yeah that is the worst kind of creepy no wait you but you did <laughs> one of us wrote fan fiction about us at some point where we shipped an au version of us two different au versions of us and i'm remembering an old inside joke it was like physics Renata and basket weaving cake. <laughs> 
I do remember this, and I feel like it was you. <laughs> is, there a, is there a name squish for this? Or? No, it's pre pre name squish. We're, we're uh, old. I know. <laughs> we'll we'll go back through our blog archives after we finish recording, but I, I think it was you. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like something I would do. Uh, I mean, it, it does also sound like something I might do, but in this instance, I think it was you. So let's move on to our reader's advisory, where first of all, I will recommend that you read that. And (laughs) (laughs) if you, again, if you have not listened to our original Fifty Shades episode, um, Anna did some really solid reader's advisory for that on her blog. She did a really extensive Fifty Shades read-alike project. Um, We'll link to that again. If you are either for your own use or for a library reader's advisory, if you are genuinely interested in some good readers, read-alikes to Fifty Shades, those will still apply to this, I suppose. Yep, and I have one particular that I want to call out called um, Beautiful Disaster by Jamie McGuire, and it was more in the new adult, um, you know, college freshman, and the guy is a, uh, you know, boxer... And so she also then published Walking Disaster, which was, from his point of view, it's, and I picked it up from the library and I started reading and it was this exact same thing where I was like, I've read this conversation before. I've seen this happen before. I know exactly what's going to happen next. This is all just from his perspective. And I just, I put it down. I, I, I don't know if it continued that way, if it was exactly the same, but... And I also, Someone that really liked this might really like that. <laughs> definitely. I also read both of those. And that was even before this podcast. But I I was tweeting a bunch about it, I think, because they were both gross. And I think yeah. with those also, Walking Disaster is more gross. Because, like, even though the story is pretty gross from her point of view, when it goes over to Travis's point of view, it's like, you are disgusting. Do not do this. But he did it. Yeah, so that's a that's a good analog, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I did have some. I, I was just thinking about retellings and reimaginings, and there's the um, YA lesbian Great Gatsby. <laughs> oh, I haven't read that. Is it good? I haven't read it either. Oh. I'm going to recommend it because it's got to be better than <laughs> what we have read. That's but fair. it's by Sarah Benincasa. And then I um, came across a list of 162 YA retellings of various things. And any of those would probably be a better option than Grey. So go find something else retold. I would say almost anything. Like if you pick something up off the street and re- like, it's probably better than this. This is really bad. Yeah, there's just a yeah. good percentage chance that it's better. I'll say, too, that if you haven't read any of the books in the series and you're, like, interested because it's such a cultural phenomenon and you want to pick up one of them, this is not the one to do it. Like, just read, if you're that interested, just read the first Fifty Shades. Yep. Or, like, the, it's or not. the third one. I feel like, honestly, you could probably skip the first two. And re- if you only want to read one, I think the third one is probably the most interesting. But... Whatever. Unless you want the sex, and then you should probably go with the first one. Well, yeah, the sex is better in the first one, you're right. Uh, and I'll, I'll say, too, um, you know, I, the book that I said before that I'm reading, um, Simon versus the Homo Sapien Agenda, it's really good. Uh, you know, it has nothing to do with this except that I <laughs> referenced it. So, But yeah. it's good, and you should read it. Yeah. 
going back to our last episode, Black Hills, if you're just looking for something to read, how about <laughs> Black Hills by Nora Roberts? That looks right. great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start a Nora Roberts book club. <laughs> for real. Um, I would also suggest um maybe i wouldn't i don't know i think we should link to that fan fiction that's these books from mrs jones point of view because i'm i haven't read these i don't know but i'm so intrigued and they're probably better than this because it's a real low bar (laughs) (laughs) visit us at worstbestsellers.com for these great suggestions And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, where we suggest a candy to accompany this fucking book. Um, mine is an apple. Like, someone gave it to me for Halloween, and I was really mad about it. And also, it reminds me of Twilight. <laughs> and also, we didn't actually talk about it, but Christian throughout this talks about how Anna smells like an apple orchard, and he says both an apple orchard in spring and an apple orchard in fall at various times. <laughs> and there's also a recurring thing, like when he was a kid, Elliot would waste apples by throwing, like taking one bite and throw them away. And he hates wasted food, and that's why he's so weird. Yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> so my pick was um, uh, already been chewed gum, which you have had to take out for whatever reason. And then by the time you get back to it, it's really hard. But maybe you put it in your mouth anyway, just because you're committed to finishing that gum. And it (laughs) hurts your teeth and it doesn't taste good anymore. That's very accurate. So for Fifty Shades, I said generic grocery store brand Valentine's Day chocolate hearts. So for Gray, I'm going to say that a piece of chocolate from one of those hearts that has been bit into by a child, probably your child, and then rejected. So at the time, you just wrapped it in a piece of wrapper and put it in your purse to throw away later. But then you forgot about it and it lingers at the bottom of your purse. And then one day the tea is really backed up and you're sitting on the red line and you're starving and you skip lunch and you'll eat anything. So you find it in the bottom of your bag. So you eat it. And then immediately regret it. <laughs> That's very compelling. Thank you. <laughs> and now we, <laughs> we will play the rock paper snicked in which Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Anna will choose um, which is better. Or she can choose paper, which would be to leave the book as is. Unlikely. If she, if she does that, it would be very hurtful. <laughs> I always say, like, I think people, are, they often try to choose both. And I think they maybe don't want to hurt me or Kate's feelings by, you know, picking one of us. Like, no, I don't. It's, it's all in the name of the game. I'm happy with either one. But I will say in this instance, if you were to choose paper, I would be hurt. I have not previewed your arguments, but I have already determined that there's no way I would choose paper. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be hired to be Christian's bodyguard before Taylor. And one day, a person that Christian wronged in the business world comes after him looking for revenge. And The Rock has a choice between saving Andrea, who's Christian's assistant, who actually I really liked in this book. Um, She's just like a side character, but whatever. Or saving Christian when the madman opens fire and he chooses Andrea thinking that's what Christian would have wanted. And Christian dies and his last word are are some bizarre bullshit about toy cars. 
And The Rock is just racked with guilt. So he quits the bodyguarding business and he takes up fishing because he's got to still keep himself in cod if he's not getting paid <laughs> regularly. And on a fishing trip, he meets Ray Steele, who's Anastasia's stepfather, and they start to fish near each other sometimes. And they don't really talk, but, you know, they kind of hang out. And one of the few times they do talk, Ray mentions some sort of volunteer work or something that's available at WSU, which is the college that Anna attends. So The Rock jumps on the opportunity to do good to make up for his past sins, i.e. letting some rich douchebag die. And he ends up meeting Anna, and he steers her away from some other controlling rich asshole she's fallen for, and takes her under his wing. And one day, he takes her with him to Seattle, where he's meeting up with Andrea for lunch, because they still keep in contact, because he's really concerned about her survivor's guilt, and he wants to make sure she does right with herself in the world. And Anna's really drawn to how broken Andrea is, and vows to help her in any way she can. Spoiler alert, the way Anna can help her is with her body. So they fall in love and The Rock officiates their wedding. Wow. I don't even want to say mine. Yours has everything. <laughs> I'm ashamed. Although yours did not have Krishna as a ghost, which I probably would have added. Um, oh, okay. we giving, him their, giving him his their blessing, I'm sure. Right. All right. Well, I'll read mine, but it's not as good. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, occasionally I've mentioned how Wolverine will sometimes uh, retreat to sulk in a literal cave, a sadness cave, when when bad things happen to him. And I think that uh, Christian Grey is doing some hardcore sulking. And so I think that after Anna leaves him, um, maybe he would fly his helicopter off to the middle of nowhere and also decide to sulk in a sadness cave. And, of course, he would run into Wolverine in his cave. Christian would end up getting drunk on cheap liquor and telling Wolverine all of his problems. Because there is just something about Wolverine that makes you (laughs) want to tell him your problems, even though he does not (laughs) want to hear them. Uh, Wolverine, I think, he rolls his eyes so hard, he literally injures himself, but it, it heals right away, so he's fine. And he he tells Christian, like, this is bonkers. Um, it, and it really especially does not make sense how you're so obsessed with her safety, given that, like, neither of you guys are superheroes. Like, you want to hear about problems? Let me tell you about my problems. And so he tells Christian a bunch of drunk stories about how all of his ex-girlfriends died. And then he kicks Christian out of the cave and never sees him again. But probably Christian would, like, learn a lesson or something. He, Wolverine does not care. He did though. Wow, I do appreciate the uh, imagery of uh, Wolverine kicking Christian out of his sadness cave. Um, I think Kate knows her audience, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm gonna have to go with The Rock. Yeah, of course, obviously. Yeah, (laughs) it was pretty great. I mean, it didn't have Christian's ghost or The Rock holding a baby bunny, but it was still pretty good. Yeah. Well, when you write the longer fanfic, you can fix that. Right. (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's move on then to the moral of the story. For me, I think the moral of the story is seize the day and use it to get the hell away from a creepy dude who's dating you because you remind him of his crack whore mother. And mine is sometimes you think you want to know what's going on in other people's minds. Just don't. And mine is, life is so hard when you're a young, rich billionaire who purposely does things he knows his girlfriend doesn't like and then is sad when that drives her away. It's so hard. 
so hard. Just like how Christian Grey fucks. Hard. <laughs> hard. <laughs> uh, next up is Duarte's favorite part of the show, Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will express his thoughts on this book. You know, I feel like we have just wasted our time. I feel like we've spent an hour talking about this book, and Duarte just really summed it all up in that pained yowl, I think. Yeah. He really cut right to the heart of it there. Just, you know, in the part where he was talking about how he would literally cut Christian's heart out with his claws <laughs> and murder. Yeah, he started before we recorded, you know, with he's been consistent the whole time he was so excited to get started he, he had thoughts <laughs> all right well thank you for that duarte um sorry you had to read this i know it's hard for you and now any closing thoughts from any humans it's been a pleasure i hope we don't have to do this again <laughs> yeah hopefully el james is just retiring and living in her palace made of gold bricks now i am a little <laughs> curious about like what her next foray into fiction will be like will she do a jk rowling pen name situation oh. or... her next book will be published as snow queen ice dragon yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> It was funny. Becca asked me the other night. She was like, I don't even know E.L. James' real name. I was like, I don't either, but I do know the name she wrote fan fiction. <laughs> I don't know. What's a good question? I googled it. It's Erica something. Yeah, I was looking in the, the copyright information, but it doesn't say. The cover Ice design Dragon. was by Squice Dragon and Megan Wilson. Squice Dragon? Squice Dragon. I don't know. Is that like Ice Dragon's pen name? I have no idea. Oh, yeah, it's, one, it's whatever Snow Queen Ice Dragon. That makes sense. It's just the short version. Amazing. Oh. Great job, Ice Dragon. So I look forward to talking about her children's book. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Hopefully that'll be shorter, at least. It'll be like a child called It. But... Oh. <laughs> yeah, gross. Okay. Uh Thanks for listening, everyone. You can follow us on Twitter at Worst Bestseller with no S. You can like us on Facebook at The Worst Bestsellers, spelled normally. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher and iTunes. If you do, we would really appreciate it if you would leave a comment. It really helps us come up higher when people are searching for podcasts or like what whatever that tech magic is. <laughs> it's good. And if you don't do it, we might just send christian gray to do a weird stalker background check on you and how many uh how many comments do you or uh ratings do you have we have a whole two. Oh, congrats i don't know actually we have like 20 something i think oh we do oh thanks guys we have a lot on on itunes there's there's one person who really didn't like us and then another person who Sorry, thinks buddy. that we're too full of ourselves and we spend too much time laughing at our own jokes. Wait, is that a guy? <laughs> I don't know. That's, you know, I gen, like, one of the things I love the most on, like, Comedy Bang Bang is when the guests, like, crack each other up and crack up Scott. Like, I love that. And so I, 
if somebody doesn't like it when we laugh at our jokes, fuck them. I don't want you listening to our fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're like the only two bad reviews in a sea of mainly good reviews. So uh, find a new podcast is all. Find There's one with less joy. Yeah, don't listen to mine. <laughs> What were we uh, saying? Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at 14across. Follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me on Twitter at Helga Grace. And also, um, Anna is one half of the podcast Bellwether Friends, uh, which is our, that sh- that podcast and our podcast are friend casts. We are friend casts. We, we started at the same time and... And uh, we have many fans in common. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a good it's a good Venn diagram. So, but if you are one of the one of the few who listens to us and not to Bellwether Friends, check it out. You'll probably like it. Uh, you can visit it. Is it bellwetherfriends.com or is it something? It's else? a it's like bellwetherfriends.wordpress.com. Yeah, cool. and well, we're on Twitter also. It's bellwetherfrnds because we didn't have they didn't have enough characters for us either. Yeah, Twitter. Just give us a few more. It's all we need. All right. Um, so that's that's us. We'll be back in two weeks with uh, Dianetics by L. Ron Hubbard. Unless <laughs> we get sued and shut down before we can post it. I don't do it now. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>